Welcome to Vine and Fig Tree's Wednesday podcast, and may God bless us in the study of His ways as found in the Bible, and as we are getting to know Him in our personal walk with Jesus. We are exhorted to show a study to show ourselves approved in order to avoid some of the false assumptions about God and His Word. And we're going to talk about those over the next couple of weeks, and we've got some specific ones to deal with. The one that we'll be dealing with today is tithing. In 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, it says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, that is teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And one of the basic understanding about study, understandings about studying God's Word and rightly dividing the Word for the edification of believers is that the Bible brings complete understanding on its own. That's why we must study the whole Word of God regarding the Old Covenant and the New Covenant so that we get an understanding of what God says everywhere in Scripture regarding His ways. And there have been several widely dispersed assumptions that have proceeded from false assumptions about what God means in His Word. And let's take a look at some of those more obvious ones. And the first false assumption that we will address is that tithing is a New Testament requirement. This is based on Old Testament, actually, and is not a requirement of the New Covenant in Jesus' blood. It certainly is not a requirement of us Gentiles, and the following scriptures show that is true. In Acts 15, 14 through 31, Simon has declared how God at the first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And we know that the church was discussing whether the, the believers had to follow circumcision or uncircumcision, and what about following the law? and all of the ordinances. Some had crept in saying that they had to, and this was being discussed. So, with this, the words of the prophets agreed, just as it's written, After this, I will return and will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and I will rebuild its ruins. And I will set it up so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does all these things. Known to God from eternity are all his works. Therefore, I judge that we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turning to God, but that we write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from things strangled, and from blood. For Moses had, has had throughout many generations those who preach him in every city being read in the synagogues every Sabbath. Then it pleased the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, who is also named Barsabas, and Silas, leading men among the brethren. They wrote this letter by them, the apostles, the elders, and the brethren, to the brethren who are, in, who are of the Gentiles in Antioch, uh, Syria and Cilicia. Greetings. Since we have heard that some who went out from us have troubled you with words unsettling your souls, saying you must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment, it seems good to us, being assembled with one accord, to send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. 
men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who will also report the same things by word of mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things, that you abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourself from these, you will do well. Farewell. So, when they were sent off, they came to Antioch, and when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the letter, and when they had read it, they rejoiced over its encouragement. Now, you see something that is really wonderful as a side note here. When the truth is made plain, people rejoice as they recognize the truth. They recognize that God's in this. And that's what happened at the church in Antioch. When they read it, they rejoiced over its encouragement. And if ever there was a place in the New Testament for the instruction to tithe, it would have been this passage. This letter would have included, oh, by the way, and don't forget to tithe. It's not there. It's not included because we have a higher plane of responsibility, that is, following the Holy Spirit now in all that we do. That includes the fact that all of our money is God's and we are to do with it as He directs. There is found freedom and adventure with contentment in following God with our finances. It also provides great joy as we see the eternal impact of being led by the Holy Spirit in our giving. And that all is based on the foundation that God will meet all of our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Okay, so how then? We're to give, but in the manner of the Holy Spirit as he leads us. And it, let's take a look at what's required. In 1 Corinthians it says, and this is chapter 9, verse 7 through 11, whoever goes to war at his own expense, and he's talking about apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Whoever goes to war at his own expense, who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its fruit, or who tends a flock and does not drink of the milk of the flock? Do I say these things as a mere man, or does not the law say the same also? For it's written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. Is it oxen God is concerned about? Or does he say it all together for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt, this is written, that he who plows should plow in hope, and he who threshes in hope should be a partaker of his hope. If we have sown spiritual things to you, is it a great thing if we reap your material things? And then in 1 Timothy 5, 17 through 18, let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture says you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. So let's take a look at what Paul says specifically about giving to the needs of the church in Jerusalem during the dire straits that they found themselves in. In 1 Corinthians 16, 1 through 3, Now, concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also. On the first day of each week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. And when I come, whomever you approve by your letters, I will send to bear your gift to Jerusalem. 
Notice something about this statement. Paul never said how much each one individual must give. He never said, everybody lay up a tenth, a tithe every week. No, that's not included. He expected each one in the church in Corinthia and in Galatia, as we see, to provide for this collection as the Holy Spirit led them. Each one as you may prosper. Okay, well, some people rely on Matthew 23, verse 23, to show that this must be a New Testament doctrine. And it says there, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and honest and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. But you have to recognize something about this that's very important. And it precludes relying on this scripture for tithing in the New Testament. That is, Jesus was speaking this before he had paid the price, before he had been crucified and shed his blood in the new covenant for our lives, before salvation unto all of us. The new covenant was established when Jesus bled on the cross, and this was before that time, and does not count for the new covenant. So, what's the best example we have of someone who was led by the Holy Spirit? And then we find it in Mark 12, 41. Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury, and many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which make a quadrants. So he called his disciples to himself and said to them, Assuredly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. For they all put in out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. She put in everything that she had. And that's the attitude that the Holy Spirit wants in our lives, to give everything that we receive to Jesus' use. Now that doesn't mean that we won't be able to um, keep some of the funds for what the Lord directs for keeping our household, our families, feeding the children, and doing the things that are necessary. But the idea is that no matter what we're doing, God wants us to be faithful to follow His Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Now that's it for today. We'll go on to some others, including a question that I have for you. And this is the next one that we'll look into. Did God turn His back on Jesus on the cross? Is that true? Or is that a false assumption? Goodbye for now, and God bless you in the name of Jesus our Lord. Amen.